Hey, what's up, Warrior? It is Jeff here from WarriorLife.com, and welcome to podcast episode number 429. So quick question for you here. Have you ever given any thought to your zombie clothes? I know. Sounds weird, right? Well, it's just one of the factors that we're going to talk about in this week's show as we cover what could possibly be the most overlooked element of your survival gear plan, your clothing choices. Now, I have some tips that I've learned in the military about what to do as well as what not to do when it comes to what to wear for a crisis. And I promise you that there's some surprises in here that you may not have thought of that might just change your plans. And hey, don't worry about taking notes because we've done all the heavy lifting for you with this freak's free handy-dandy one-page cheat sheet covering all the main points. Now you can download it right now inside of the Warrior Life Loot Locker section along with the other cheat sheets that we've got for you there and some additional cool resources as well. So all you have to do is head on over to www.warriorlife.com loot and enjoy the free goods waiting for you. And now let's talk tactics. Tactical firearms training, urban survival, close quarters combat, Welcome to the show that helps you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. This is the Warrior Life Podcast. Hey, what's going on, Warrior? This is Jeff Anderson, Executive Director of WarriorLife.com and the Warrior Life Academy. And to start things off, I want to go back in time a little bit here to my early days in the U.S. Army when I was with 10th Mountain Division. Now, if you're not familiar with 10th Mountain Division, it is a light infantry rapid deployment force unit based out of Fort Drum, New York, that was reactivated in the mid-80s, basically out of what was a special operations unit during World War II. And one of the things about being a rapid deployment force is that we had to be able to deploy and fight in any part of the world at a moment's notice. Now, it didn't matter whether it was Arctic or jungle or urban, or desert. We did a lot of training in all of those different environments. And we had to be toes on the line, gear packed, weapon ready to go within five minutes of getting that call. And so we would run, as part of our training, we'd run readiness drills, where it'd be the middle of the night, and the sergeants would come around, knock on the barracks door, and we had five minutes to be able to get out there, all packed, ready to go. Sometimes that was really just to see if we could do it, and then we would just go back to sleep except for this one night. <laughs> this one night was a unique night. Now, if you're not familiar with Fort Drum, it is in upstate New York, and there are times where it is literally the coldest place in the entire country. This felt like one of those nights. Now, 10th Mountain Division was also a testing unit, so any of the new high-speed gear that the military wanted to try and, and, and see how it would work before they give it to all the branches and they invest in it, we got that gear first. So it was clothing, it was tents, it was backpacks, it was other gear. So we got this really cool high-speed stuff. Now, we didn't get any instructions with that. So normally, we would just, like our clothing, we would just put it over top of our BDUs. We had a Gore-Tex parka. We had polypropylene underwear and, and tops. Now, it doesn't matter if you know what Gore-Tex is or, or polypropylene. Just know that this was a lot lighter and a lot more efficient, more advanced technology of fabric than we'd had in the military, which was mostly wool and cotton. We had big bulky field jackets that we wore. We had all these different things, right? And so normally we just wore all that stuff together as another layer to test it all out. But this one night, the coldest night I can probably remember at Fort Drum, our sergeant said, no BDUs. Just wear your polypropylene underwear and your Gore-Tex parka and pants. Now, we thought we were going to freeze our asses off. And this wasn't one of those nights where we were going back into, uh, back into the barracks to go back to sleep. So... We started walking. Because the other thing about light infantry is that you're pretty much walking everywhere. 
So we started walking out on a training mission that lasted all night long. Now, I can tell you, I thought I was going to freeze my ass off. One of the coldest nights turned out to be one of the warmest nights I ever remember in my times in these Arctic-type temperatures. And I learned a lot that night. I learned a lot that night about how your clothing and your body work to be able to keep you alive in any environment. And it also applies to you when it comes to your survival clothing. Now, I know this isn't the sexiest topic of all, but I can tell you that one of my top YouTube videos is my 26-pound uh, ultralight bug-out bag. And I go through everything that's packed inside of there, but I don't cover clothing. And one of the biggest requests I get is, what are you packing for clothing? And I learned that night just how important it was. Now, we just got done doing a, a, a warrior workshop for our all-access members in our Warlife Academy for advanced secrets of the U.S. military when it comes to survival clothing. Now, that was over an hour long, so... Uh, I'm not going to go all through all that right now, but I do want to share with you five of the most critical principles and the biggest mistakes that I see people making when it comes to planning out your survival clothing to face any sort of a disaster or other crisis. All right. So principle number one is to think outside of your clothing. Your body is a climate engine. It, it is uniquely designed to keep you alive whether that is a hot environment or whether it is a cold environment. So if you are cold, your body shivers. Well, every single one of your cells generates heat as it's, as it's active. And shivering is just your body's way of making you exercise by vibrating your body. And what that does is it activates the cells and it generates heat. And that heat gets transmitted throughout your entire body. You might feel cold, but your body is actually keeping you alive when you're doing that. Likewise, your body has a built-in air conditioning unit because it takes the water that you have stored inside of your body and it, you sweat, it comes to the surface of your skin, that evaporates and that evaporation process is a cooling factor so it keeps your body temperature down in hot environments. Unfortunately, most people think about the clothing more than they think about how the clothing is just there to work with your body. You need to work with your body when you're planning out your clothing. So I'll give you an example. Um, my, my job in the military was a forward observer um, with, the, with the infantry. And so sometimes that meant being out even behind enemy lines in an observation position to be able to um, scout for long periods of time, either scout like what, what the enemy was doing and, and activity, sometimes calling in artillery fire or close air support, helicopters. Um, but we were out there for an extended period of time in an observation position. And so you didn't move because you'd be detected and then you're dead. It's not like I've got a whole unit around me. We're out there just basically by ourselves. And so one thing I learned during these cold environments was that if I got really, really cold and I couldn't get up and start like, you know, go, go get other gear and go exercise around or whatever, just doing push-ups right there in position was all the heat that I needed to be able to generate around my body and be able to uh, keep myself warm even when I was immobile. All right. The other thing is that people who are, I mean, I've seen, I've seen soldiers succumb to frostbite. Um, I've gotten near frostbite more times than I can even count, but I've also seen soldiers drop from heat exhaustion because they don't hydrate. So your exercising is activating your cells to keep you warm. When you need to stay cool, by not being hydrated, your body doesn't have water inside to be able to sweat 
and evaporate and keep you cool. And so most people don't think about how water affects your ability to stay warm and, to, and actually to stay cool also. So you've got to be able to hydrate there. You have to have a hydration program as well, which means having some way that you can manufacture water. So we talk about that a lot in survival. Is like you don't need stored water. I mean, you need stored water, but really what you need to do is be able to make water on the run. And so uh, you need to be able to hydrate as well. So your clothing supports your body's process. So you need to think about your body and how you're supporting your body first, and then your clothing supports that but not necessarily in the way that you think. Because the other thing that I learned that night brings me to principle number two, which is bulking is bad for survival. The old days, all we had were these cotton field jackets and we had this, this you know, big bulky gear. Now, there's a common misconception that you want to bulk up to be able to stay warm in cold environments. And I can tell you that when you're all bulked up like that, number one, you're less maneuverable. And we're talking about a survival situation you have to be able to move and take fast, decisive action, be able to, it might, it might be a situation where you're being attacked. It could be a situation where there is, uh, there is, are obstacles around. You might need to be able to get under obstacles, over obstacles. You need to be able to move around, all right? Well, bulky clothing is not going to allow you to do that. If it's tight clothing, it's not going to allow you to do that as much. The other thing is that it takes up too much room inside of your bug out bag. The more clothing you have, the more it is going to take up, and then the less room you have for other things that you might need. Now, I can tell you, using some of the secrets that we covered, like in our workshop, is that every, like basically all of my, almost all of my cold weather gear, I mean, I'm talking about like all the way down to like sub-zero temperatures, can go just inside of one single eight-inch tactical molly pouch that we have, like with our X-Bob here. Everything with inside of one eight-inch pack. Now, before, when we were first in the military, that, that jacket alone was going to take up a big part of what we had in there. Uh, cold weather boots were in there as well. So it took up a lot of room. So I really learned a lot about that. Now, there have been a lot of advancements over time. We learned about this in the military of the different fibers that can actually be even better for you in these types of environments than, um, than maybe what you have right now. So let's go back to how your, how your clothing supports your body, all right? So essentially, if you look at your body as your heating and air conditioning unit, your clothing just supports what comes out of you or what you don't want to come out of you, all right? So if it is a, um, if it is warm, if it's, if it's a cold environment, your ability to trap in that heat is what keeps you warm. That's why those, those Mylar survival uh, sleeping bags and things like that you don't have to wear basically any clothing inside of those things. You wrap it around. There's no, there's no, there's no, um, like there's no heat leaving that thing. It reflects your body heat back to you. That's what keeps you alive. Well, same thing with your clothing. There are ways with just thin layers for you to be able to trap that in. Now, in hot environments, you need to be able to perspire. So if you're wearing clothing that doesn't allow you airflow, if there's no airflow, you're not going to perspire. So this, for example, if you're watching on YouTube, if you're watching the stream on YouTube, or if you're listening uh, to our podcast, um, there are shirts out there that have micro perforations in them. Now, I live in Florida now. It's a hot weather environment. And so these types of clothing, even if it's long sleeve, allows a lot more airflow. So these all these little holes throughout it, which allows for air to, to leave. So I basically, when, I, when we sweat or or heat's coming off me, it, it's allowed to escape that way. 
that you also want to look at how you're layering your different clothing. So the reason why that clothing worked back at Fort Drum was because the polypropylenes were designed to take the um, to take the sweat away from your body because if you're wet in cold environments, you're you have a, a strong risk of of uh, frostbite. So that polypropylene clothing whisked the way uh, whisks the water away for or the sweat away from your body, and then it, it takes it out to the next layer, which was the Gore-Tex, which got rid of it outside of your body. So the same thing you want to do with your layers of clothing. So you want to wear clothing that is going to wick the moisture away from your body, and then send it outside of your other layers of clothing. When you want to um, stay warm, all you have to do, you don't have to change out that clothing. All you need to do is just trap that inside. And you can do that very easily with very thin material that's out there uh, now, all right? So there's a, this common misconception that bulking is good, and, um, and it's not. All right, so principle number three that I want to go over with you is, have you ever thought about your zombie clothes? Let me explain to you what that means. Like, let's say that zombies were real, right? And all of a sudden, everybody becomes infected. And all of a sudden, right now, right this minute, as you're listening to me or watching me on YouTube, right now, what clothes are you wearing? Because if you were infected right now, this is what you're going to spend eternity out there chewing on people's faces dressed exactly as you are right now. You ever thought about that? <laughs> all right. So... One of the things uh, that we talked about again before was with 10th Mountain Division, we had to be able to go in five minutes because we don't know when we're going to get that call to fight. Well, the same thing goes for you in a survival situation. You don't know when there could be an instant disaster that happens. Now, a lot of disasters are going to give you a warning, right? Like you're going to see a hurricane coming, but tornadoes don't give you a warning. Um, sometimes even a collapse situation where it might be grid down. People might be freaking out. It could be a nuclear detonation somewhere. People start freaking out all of a sudden, you might not have time to get back to all of your gear that you have packed away inside of a bug out bag somewhere back in your bat cave in your home. So in rapid deployment, we had to be there in five minutes. Well, you also need to have your gear packed, ready to go at a moment's notice. But the clothing that you have, if, I mean, we, in the, in the military, we had only one pair of clothing. We had our BDUs. That was it. So that's it. But I'm assuming that you probably wear more than one thing. And so you might be at work when something happens. And that is your zombie clothing. That's what you're going to be wearing. Because you're thinking that you might have to get back to your home, get changed to be able to get out on the road and evacuate if it's an evacuation scenario. You might not get home. You might not be able to. Or it might waste valuable time that you just need to get on the road. And so what you need to do is have all of your doomsday clothing, whatever you're going to pack, needs to be inside of your bug out bag and it needs to be in your vehicle. Now, I'll tell you that one of the biggest things that people don't think about is their shoes. So you don't want to be in a situation where you've got to evacuate if you're a woman in high heels or if you're a guy in like dress shoes or anything like that. And so shoes are something that people don't buy a lot of like extras of shoes and so your shoes, whatever you would typically like go hiking or whatever you're going to use for your survival footwear, that also needs to be with your bag, your bug out bag inside of your vehicle so that you can change out of whatever you're in back into your clothes and those shoes. Which brings me to principle number four, which is goes back to a saying that one of my, uh, one of my buddies when I was in, uh, I was stationed in Panama and he was a big Harley Davidson, uh, rider. And uh, he used to get really pissed off at seeing people in motorcycles that were, 
you know, especially you know, Panama, we're in a hot, hot climate, right? So dressed in shorts and flip flops even, and riding their motorcycles. And he used to get all pissed off, and he'd say, "You got to." He would yell at them, "You know, dress for the ride, not the beach." Now I know essentially what he was saying. He was saying function over form. Dressing for the ride meant that, like, if you're a motorcycle rider, like, if you if you go down, you're gonna get if you don't have anything to protect your 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 body, I mean, you're at a, you're at much more risk of of being injured, right? Getting road rash, even dying. So you dress for the ride. So make sure that you can you can uh, you can drive appropriately, and then if you get an accident, you're you're covered, right? Well, the same thing goes for your survival clothing as well. You want to dress for the function, not the form. So let me give you an example here that I think is probably going to be the opposite of what you are most likely planning for when it comes to your clothing, and especially what we're talking about here is your footwear. Now, I can tell you that we had a lot to prove in the 10th Mountain Division. Being light infantry and having to walk everywhere that we went, sometimes um, you know, we were doing seven miles a, a, a week with road marches, um, but once a year we would do a 100-mile road march. It was 25 miles a day for four days. I can tell you, you learn a lot about the capabilities of your body, but then also how to take care of your feet. Now, we were in full BDUs, 35-pound uh, backpack, uh, our rucksack on, carrying our weapon. Sometimes it was more than 35 pounds because you know we had radios and they were all big, bulky things back then. But 100 miles. <clears throat> now, in our combat boots, walking that long, We've learned different things about how to take care of your feet. It's one of the things we talk about in the, uh, in the workshop for our all-access members. But I can tell you that on that road march, there were the, the guys that couldn't cut it, the guys that, I mean, your, your feet are going to look like hamburger after a while, right? If you, don't, if you don't know how to avoid the blisters and things like that. Um, so for a lot of people, it becomes very, very painful. I mean, we were popping Motrin like it was Skittles. I mean, it was just like just to be able to get rid of the pain sometimes. Some guys got to the point where they weren't able to walk anymore. And so there were Humvees that, walked, that were behind us to pick up the stragglers. However, there was an intermediate zone there. So if you weren't able to march that far, if you started getting where your feet wouldn't allow you to, to continue to go on, what you first did was take off your, your, your combat boots and you put on your sneakers, your, your running shoes. And so these guys would always be the ones that were made fun of, right? Like they would be, they were the ones, I mean, you could point, you could pick them out because they, they were wearing running shoes out there on the trail. So you're out there getting made fun of, but at least you can continue walking. Now, past that point, it was in the Humvee. Those guys got made fun of. They were just the pogues. They would like just ditch them. They weren't, they weren't combat ready if you couldn't do that, right? Now, that makes sense in environments where you need that kind of protection. You're, you're, you are uh, battling the enemy. You're, you're around obstacles. You, you, need, you need that foot protection there. But your job in an evacuation is just to get from point A to point B. That's your mission. And to get there as most efficiently and safely as you possibly can. Now, that's most likely not going to be a situation where initially you're going to be around a lot of obstacles or you're going to have to really beat the hell out of your feet. And so why, I mean, you don't have any, you don't have anything to, to prove here. So instead of wearing combat boots or even hiking boots, which are heavy, because over time, that's going to, that's going to be harder for you to, uh, it's going to cause more fatigue of your legs. So what you want is trail runners. So go straight to that middle zone there because you're going to be able to go farther 
you're going to be able to go faster, you're going to be able to be less fatigued. Those are the things that are going to help you in a survival environment more than trying to prove that you're some kind of soldier out there. So trail runners have a really good uh, tread on them. They have a so it's not like a regular running shoe. They're made for running on outdoors in the trail. So it's going to give you more traction than other, than other types of shoes will. So it's going to be way better for you, but it's going to be these, this is what you should have ready to go for a forced evacuation. So this goes with all of your, uh, all of your clothing and all your other stuff that you've got for, um, packed away with your bug out bag. All right. All right. Finally, principle number five, which is probably my most controversial topic that a lot of people, I catch a lot of hell for this and I don't care. Like it's just, it's just, um, it's just a fact. And that is, let's talk about camouflage. All right. Camouflage. What's the purpose of camouflage for a soldier? The purpose of camouflage is to blend in with your environment so that the enemy doesn't see you and target you and kill you. That is the purpose of camouflage. It's why we have camouflage clothing. It's why we have camouflage backpacks or the color, you know, desert, desert color for our backpacks. It's why we have camouflage nets that go over all of our equipment. That is the purpose of camouflage. And yet so many survivalists out there want to feel like they are a soldier. And so they buy all this camo equipment. They buy camo clothing, camo, cam they wear a shemag around their neck. They have a boonie hat. They've got camo clothing, BDUs that they wear. They have camouflage backpacks, the, the, the tactical backpack. It's all tactical. It's not tactical because camouflage is tactical. But from the literal sense, it's, it's not because you need to blend in with your environment. Now, if you're a soldier or if you are a survival unit, if you have a survival team where you've got like basically you're surrounded by soldier type people and you can go in force, which is another way that you can approach any sort of disaster, right? Like you can go in force and you can put up that kind of a force, go for it. You know, you're going to storm the Capitol building, you know, take over the government. Like, these people were all dressed up in, in like, you know, tactical gear. You stand out, right? You stand out, which is not what you want to do in a survival scenario. Because if you look like somebody who is a soldier or one of those doomsday preppers and you stand out as somebody who's more prepared than other people are, then when resources are low and there's no food around or drinkable water around, people need help, they need medical equipment or anything like that, you're going to look like the person to go to. And when that happens, you're going to be targeted. Now, it might just start off with people asking you for stuff, but it's your preps, it's your gear. So if you have those things, you're not going to want to give them up. But that's where conflict can really start also. And things get, can get very dangerous very, very quickly. So bottom line here, the silver bullet is get rid of the camouflage. Get rid of the tactical clothing. Get rid of the tactical backpack. You don't need to look like a soldier. In fact, you don't want to look like a soldier. Ask any military contractor that's out there. You want to blend in as much as possible because you might be out there alone. If you're just, if you're a contractor, if you're CIA, or if you're anybody that doesn't have an entire unit around you with locked and loaded rifles, then you're at risk of being targeted by the enemy. And that enemy, even during a survival scenario, can be those zombies out there, those unprepared people that now see you as their resource. All right? So take it from me. Do whatever the hell you want, but I'm just telling you right now, it is a recipe for disaster. You got to sleep sometime. And that sometime, somebody's going to come along with a baseball bat and take all your cool gear that you got right there. All right?
All right, so now I want to hear from you. So wherever you are, if you're watching this on one of our streams on our social media channels like Facebook or YouTube, Instagram, please go ahead and leave a comment there. I would like to hear from you. What are some other things that you've learned about clothing that is going to be more beneficial for people when it comes to survival type scenarios? All right, so please go ahead and leave a comment. If you're listening to our podcast, you can go over to our where our podcast is and you can leave a comment there. You can go over to warlife.com slash podcast. If you want a cheat sheet for all of the things that we talked about in this broadcast right here, all you have to do is go on over to um, warriorlife.com slash loot and sign up for our loot locker membership. It's going to get you access to all of our cheat sheets that we have, one page, all the just the juicy stuff, the meat and the potatoes. And that's going to uh, give you a great opportunity to be able to just get all of the, the really cool tips out of all of our stuff. It's all inside of our loot locker part of our Warrior Life Academy. You can absolutely free. Just go ahead and download. There's a bunch of other cool resources in there as well. So go ahead and check those out. Now, I look forward to hearing from you. So please leave a comment wherever you're listening to this or watching this. And um, if we use any of your tips on a future broadcast, we will go ahead and give you full credit for it and send you a thank you gift in the mail as well. All right, so look forward to hearing from you. Until then, this is Jeff Anderson saying prepare, train, and survive. You've been listening to the Warrior Life Podcast. We hope you've enjoyed the show. You can help us spread the mission of self-reliance and self-protection when you rate us. And leave us a comment wherever you enjoy these podcasts. And don't forget to check out our posts and videos on our social media channels. You'll see a full directory when you visit our website at www.warriorlife.com. We'll see you next time. This has been the Warrior Life Podcast. Prepare. Train. Survive. Survive.